0: I'm like, okay, cool. Like, we're back on track. I got it. I just got to do this. Then you might go take your first swing in the cage, and you're like, oh shit, maybe not. But
1: <laughs> what's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode here on You Think, presented by Audio Rama and Body Armor. Um, lot going on. We make our tackle football debut this weekend. um, We are getting ready for our jamboree. So it will be the first time the kids are out there playing, you know, tackle against somebody else. We've been practicing now for God, what seems like six years. Uh, Football is a grind. I'll tell you what, getting 10 and 11 year old kids to learn the plays, where to line up, how to tackle, how to hit, how to be tackled, how to block. Oh my gosh. I don't, I don't remember it being this difficult when I was a kid, but um, it's been a lot of fun. So we have our jamboree. I will have an update for you guys um next week once it's done. But so we're looking forward to that first time seeing the kids go against another live opponent. So that should, uh, as always, that's pretty interesting. That's where we find out who can really do it. And unfortunately who can't. So we are, uh, we're in the full grind of that. Uh, one other thing I want to touch on, because we talk a lot here about you know, sports specialization and, you know, kids playing sports year round, um, you know, this fall. So my daughter's going to play soccer. So that's pretty standard. She's been doing that for a while. That's a pretty reasonable, um, you know, practice or two a week and then a game on Saturday. Fine. My son's going to play fall baseball. My younger son, TJ is going to play fall baseball. It's a lighter load. We don't play nearly as many uh, games. It's a little more developmental. So that's pretty much straightforward. But since my oldest son's going to play tackle football, he's going to also continue to play with his fall travel baseball team coming out of the summer, um, which again is a highly competitive team. You know, so there's, there's an element of, you know, keeping those guys going through the fall. And I'll tell you, it is exhausting working with the other families who also play football and baseball and trying to get the kids to both sports, but not have something to do every single night. And we're trying to stack some of the practices. Fortunately, the baseball coach is great. And, uh, and we can kind of coordinate the schedules, but I'll tell you what, for anybody who's playing more than one sport in a season, it is a grind. I I don't know how I feel about it. I will keep everyone up to speed as the fall kind of goes forward. But, uh, so far it's been a little overwhelming. I have to, I have to be honest. So hopefully we find our groove here when school starts and get into a little bit of a rhythm. So I will, I will keep you posted on all of that from the Olsen sports crazy world, um, in this youth sports world. And, uh, but I am super excited for today's episode. So as you guys know, there's a lot of baseball going on in the summer. we got the little league world series right now, which kind of captures the attention of the country. Um, this time of year, which is always fun to watch, you know, see a bunch of 12 year olds, you know, playing, playing ball, representing their towns. That's a cool deal. Um, you know, obviously the major league baseball there, you know, it's post all-star break. Now we just saw the field of dreams game a couple weeks ago. Um, you know, everyone's now jockeying for for playoff spots and and MLB kind of pictures getting a little clearer of who, who are the contenders and who aren't. So I think our next guest is coming on at the perfect time. You know, today we are just thrilled to have the 2018 national league MVP, the left fielder of the Milwaukee Brewers, Christian Yelich. And what I found so interesting with, with with talking to Christian is just his journey. You know, we had perfect game. We had Tony from perfect game on a couple of weeks ago. And Christian goes, listen, I I was never the guy in the showcases I, in high school. I was never the guy who made the all American games. He goes, but then lo and behold, I was a first round draft pick at a high school and went straight to, and went straight to the major leagues and, and obviously went on to be a, to be the MVP and you know, the rest is history. So I, I think it was a really cool perspective to get from a current MLB professional all-star MVP caliber player and have him just, you know, be able to reflect just, you know, not that long ago to coming up through these showcase ranks, coming up through youth, through the youth circuit and what that looked like for him. And it looked a little different. He brought up Bryce Harper and some of these other more established guys in his, uh, in his class. And he goes, I wasn't as famous as Bryce Harper, but he goes, I was a first round draft pick and my career, you know, so it's just interesting to hear people's stories and different journeys. So it, it was a blast. I hope you guys enjoy this conversation with Christian. Uh, thank you, as always, to our sponsor, Body Armor. Uh, Body Armor continues to not only fuel this show, but it also fuels the madness of my youth sports uh, family and and our youth sports team. So thank you so much to Body Armor for being along the ride of helping us kind of tell this story and navigate the world of of competitive youth sports and everything in between. Um you know, there's a lot of choices for sideline sports drinks, you know, but in our family, my kids, myself, my wife, all of our teams, our kids gravitate towards body armor. There's just something about it. They love the flavors. They love the different tastes. They love, it's just something about it that they all, you know, pulls them in and and they get it. You know, body armor is made with coconut water, B vitamins, no artificial sweeteners. Um, You guys can go to drinkbodyarmor.com for more information. So thank you again so much to body armor for being a part of the you think journey. So without further ado, I hope you guys enjoy this interview with Christian Yelich. Christian, thank you so much for joining us uh today on You Think. You got
0: it. Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, man. So so as our listeners know and and you got a chance to say hi to one of my two boys uh before the the show started, they were fired up to meet you. They've watched you and they they knew more about you. I'll be honest. They knew more about you than I think I did, um, because they, it's amazing. With they pick it all up in like MLB the show, and they play all these, so they know everything about all these kids. So they were so they were fired up. We do a lot of baseball in our house, but I am not going to lie. I am not a baseball background guy, but I've come to just learn it and love it through watching my kids play it, you know, and just watching them grow up and coach their teams and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So you're our first baseball guest. So for that. All right we're pretty fired up. So just tell us a little bit about, you know, your backstory here at you think like, we're very, you know, we're very interested in hearing how guys like yourself, you know, where did they start? Right. We all know you're an all-star, you know, gold Glover, every, but we want to know, you know, where did it start? Your roots from California growing up playing the game. Just, just give us your first baseball memory as a young kid.
0: Yeah, well, it was actually pretty similar to what you were describing. Actually, I was uh like the first one and in our family to, to play baseball everybody came from like a football or um, basketball background and I, I did both of those growing up along with baseball i just played played everything play everything with my friends um made a lot of good friends through sports that way and i'm actually still friends with like a lot of those guys today uh and then i was just always probably best at baseball and then so once i got to once i got to high school i just chose baseball and stuck with that, and was like hey if i'm going to do anything in in sports, like I want to do, is probably going to be in baseball. So I put all my time and energy in that. But growing up, I played everything, played with my friends, did did uh, pretty much every sport you could probably do, I think. And then found one that I, I liked the best and was probably the best at, and then kind of stayed with that. But uh, nobody pushed me to do baseball, or we never really had a baseball background. So everyone was just like figuring it out. I, I learned the game through playing it, not really through going to. Private instructors or, or, or groomed to be a baseball player, I guess how it is a lot of ways. Um, growing up now, like kids are so specialized, and they're either all baseball, football, basketball from a really young age. And I was never, ever really like that.
1: Yeah, so so dive into a little bit more of that. We cover you know the specialization aspect, but we also cover you know, and you touched on it a couple of weeks ago, we had on, um, Tony Harper from perfect game. I don't know. Mm-hmm. If, did, did you play any perfect oh, game? Yeah. I'm sure you did a lot of those showcases and stuff. Yeah. So we had him on my kids play perfect game events and we fly around. It, it's just, you know, again, it's 10 new baseball and we're flying across the country. It's, it's, it's a lot, but so tell us a little bit about, you know, what you mean by that. Right. So you, you weren't, you know, you weren't going to private batting lessons. You weren't, pl- were you playing travel ball? Were you playing summer ball? Were you playing rec? Like, what were you, what level of play were you growing up, you know, playing growing up until yeah. you got to high school?
0: Yeah, I did. I did all that, but it was all, it was all fairly new when I was still a kid. Like travel ball was a thing, but it's not nearly what it is today. Like it's, it's so big today. And like I said, it's like 10U has, has travel ball and probably even younger. And I think it goes my first, to nine U. Yeah. Right. So, I
1: can tell you from firsthand experience, it goes to nine U baseball, right.
0: so. <laughs> which is crazy. crazy. And I think, I think I started playing travel ball when I was probably 12 ish, somewhere around there, but it was, it was real local. I think like, we weren't, we weren't really like flying anywhere as travel ball, but it was a lot of kids from like the town that I, I grew sure. up in. Like we were all together. We'd all play in the same little league or pony league and then summer or whatever, we'd all be on the same travel team and then kind of go our own way. And I didn't do perfect game till, High school which was still kind of starting out like perfect game wasn't what perfect game is now and i think my first perfect game i was probably a sophomore, sophomore in high school maybe a junior in high school and then did a few of them i never made like i never made the the all-american game i got cut from team usa so i was like i was one of those kids that just i was a terrible showcase player but when the game started i could always play you know which ended up working out for me in the long run but if you just look at like each skill individually, like nothing probably stood out to you at the time. And so my, I don't know if I ever got, I don't know what my best perfect game score ever was, but I, we can <laughs> no find thing. it out. Your, yeah.
1: Your profile, I promise you, is somewhere up there along with oh, yeah. 3,000 nine
0: year olds. Right. So <laughs> I, I was obviously never good enough to make their, their uh, all American game or whatever it was. But uh, I well, enjoyed it.
1: I think you were plenty good. I mean, you were good enough to obviously be drafted in the first round out of high school. So I I think you did something right. The Miami Marlins before we touch on that though, correct me if I'm wrong. You were committed to go to UM, go to university of Miami. Mm
0: -hmm. So
1: tell me a bit, tell me a little bit about that. Obviously I'm an alum of UM and went down there, the baseball program. When I was in school, Ryan Braun, who was a teammate of yours, he was in school with me. So I mean, they got a great program down there. So just, just talk a little bit about how, was that a hard decision? Like didn't pass up going to Miami and then get yeah. drafted by the Marlins.
0: Yeah, it took me. So back then, so I got drafted in, in June and the, the signing deadline wasn't until like the end of August back then. It's, it's more July now, I think. So I took the whole summer basically to, to make a decision but it was kind of made for me in a sense, being like a first round pick, like you're going to get, if you really want to play in the, in the major leagues, like being a first round pick, it's going to give you the best opportunity. You're going to get the longest lease. You're going to get every opportunity to succeed. And I was like, at the end of the day, I was like, what I really want to do is play major league baseball. And so this is the best opportunity. So that's kind of how I made my decision. But at the time when I committed to UM, I, I actually thought I was going to college. Like I didn't become like a high round draft guy until really late. Like there's guys, you know, that are going to be first round picks when they're underclassmen or juniors or going into senior year. Like this guy's going to be, um, you know, a first round pick for sure. Like our, my draft class was Harper, Manny Machado, like all, a lot of really, it's really, really good players. Yeah. So yeah, I, I knew these, like you play with them you're like, Oh yeah, these guys are first round picks. You know, I saw Bryce when he was 15 or at the same showcase, he like, was the best player I've ever seen in my life. I'm not, we're, me and him, we're not the same right now. Um, he was 15, I think. And I was like 16 or 17 and he was unbelievable. But at the time when I made my decision to go to, to UM, I, I honestly thought I was going to school and I was originally committed to UCLA, which is like 20 minutes from where I grew up. And I changed my mind. I was like, you know, if I'm going to go to school, like I want to, I want to go to school, I'm going to, I'm going to do this thing. So ended up kind of going back out and and seeing what was out there because i committed so so early which i think it was after my freshman year maybe sophomore year like verbal committed to ucla and looking back on it it probably wasn't the best decision and nothing against that program or, or those guys because they're they're great they actually won the college world series um you know a few years after that but i think kids commit so early now and like you don't see your option like it's not if you're good enough to play D1 baseball or go play pro baseball, like your options are gonna be there. So take your visits, make like a really good decision. Don't be in a rush to be like, oh, I'm committed here because you see your friends doing that. It's still going to be there. Like they're not gonna take it away. And if they do take it away, it's probably not a place you want to go anyway. Um so if I could do it over again, I'd probably do that. But um did the whole visit thing and went to UM and just really liked it there. You know, um Jim Morris was the was the head coach at at the time, who's now retired, but he was there and just going to the the football game, being on the campus, I just I just really liked it. I like the guys on the team. When you do your official visit, just hanging out with them, and I was like, hey, this is a, this is a cool fit. I could see myself coming here. Ended up getting drafted by the Marlins. I spent a lot of time in Miami anyway, but uh, just a different kind. And uh, they're great people over there. And um you know, part of me always kind of wonders what it would have been like if I enrolled there and got to spend a few years there. I'm sure it would have been, yeah. a, been a pretty good time, I, but
1: I think you would have had a good time. I can promise you that from firsthand experience. I think you would yeah. have had a blast. I'm from now on, I'm just going to consider you a Miami guy. I'm just going to yeah. lump you into that group. In my mind, you went to Miami. I want to, I want to go back to something you just said earlier that I think is super relevant to our conversation. You said, so you're at this showcase, you're 16 or whatever, and and you're playing against guys like Bryce Harper and and, and whatnot. So, so often at the, at this young age, everybody wants to compare kids at 10, at 12, at 14, at mm-hmm. 16. And as we all know, right, from going through it, certain kids grow and mature at different levels. Certain kids are late bloomers, early bloomers. The kid who dominates 12 U ball sometimes doesn't make the varsity team, right? So how did you, as you started navigating and started entering these showcase type, you know, you were obviously good enough to be in these showcases at 14, 15, 16, through high school. How did you handle looking around at your peers? And yeah, that was your baseline and you were trying to keep up with guys, but also not letting that overwhelm you. And if you weren't the best kid at 14, that didn't mean that you couldn't still be a first round draft pick a few rounds later. Like, did you understand that in the time or do you look back on it with a little different perspective now?
0: Um, I understood it a little bit, but there's a whole, I have a whole new perspective on it now, I guess you'd say. Like back then, it, it, it kind of showed you like, all right, like you need to, if you really want to do this, you, there's a lot of work you got to work hard. You know, there's a, there's a lot of room to go here if you want to be on these same levels. But like you said, you know, when you're 12 years old, you have nothing to compare it to or 13 or 14 years old. So when you see these kids who are so much bigger, stronger, faster, just more mature than you are, you know, you think like, Oh, this guy's, this guy's really, really good. And then you kind of catch up and the gap closes or maybe that guy goes a different route and never really, really makes it, or you stick with it and and make improvements and you kind of bloom and become what you become. But, you know, I remember me and my friends were all kind of the same, the same skill level growing up. Like we were all, we were all pretty good. I had had a few friends that ended up playing D one baseball. So I never really knew any better. Like we were all pretty good. So it was kind of just being like one of the boys that never really stood out like, Oh, you're so much better than your friends or your peers. Like we were all just like, yeah, we just, we played baseball, yeah, just, went to high school we got together, good, same pony yeah. ball. Like we're a good team. Like we're, we're good. And then I didn't really feel like I was getting better than them or like making big improvements till probably like sophomore year of high school when I was like, okay, like I'm, pretty good at this i might have a like i feel like i might be able to go to college doing this for sure and then maybe get drafted and then just kept getting better just sticking with it kept working uh started to mature a little bit more and then you start catching up and you start closing the gap or lengthening the gap between like you and your peers and you just never know when it's going to come like you just got to stick with it i feel like and and You know, if I could tell kids that say, don't worry about what's going on around you or or your peers, kind of just worry about yourself as getting better, learning the game, making improvements, Um, just trying to better yourself as a, as a person and an athlete. And you never know what can happen. You know, just give your chance, give yourself every opportunity to succeed. If you don't succeed, don't let it be because you didn't work hard. or You didn't want it bad enough. And then if it works out, that's great. If it doesn't, that's great too. And you learned a lot of great lessons along the way, along the way that you can kind of apply later in life. And, um, you know, for us, we're fortunate enough to where we kind of made it a career and we're able to do it, but, uh, it doesn't always go that way for everybody, but you can learn a lot of things along the way.
1: Yeah, so when you started getting serious, is there one moment that you can put your finger on mine was I went down to the university of Miami. I was a rising 10th grader. Uh, back then they used to hold like week long camps, you know, you'd go down mm-hmm. to campus, we'd sleep in the dorms, eat in the cafeteria. You know, there was hundreds of kids from over the, you know, high school kids from all over the country, ninth through 12th grade. And leaving that camp as a rising 10th grader, the coaches called me and my parents over the last day as everyone was saying goodbye. And that was the first school to ever offer me a scholarship. I had spent five days there and it was like a showcase in today's world. Back then you actually had to go to camp for five days and sleep in a dorm. And I remember driving home and coming back home to New Jersey where I grew up and going back to summer practices with my high school and being like, okay, like if I, I can do this, if I, if I put the work in, right. Like that was the moment where it clicked. Like I was always a good local kid growing up playing, but Mm -hmm. that was the moment I was like, okay, these guys see something in me that I could play at a different level. Like, is there a moment in time you said it was your sophomore year when it kind of clicked? Like, do you remember that? Was it a certain game? Was it a summer travel ball? Was it just. You just felt it with how practice was going. Is there like one moment you remember when it became serious where you're like, all right, if I do this, I can be a dude.
0: Um, It was probably my freshman year of high school where uh, I made the varsity baseball team my freshman year. And I was the only, only freshman to do it. Um, And I actually played a lot. I ended up, ended up starting that year and playing, playing the whole season and, our league got a lot of guys that were actually going to division one schools. A lot of guys getting drafted, um, you know, a few guys that have spent some time in the big leagues actually. So it was a really good, um, you know, Southern California is really good, really good baseball state and area. And so it was some, it was some serious competition and, um, being able to hack it that year. Like I didn't, I didn't dominate by any means, but I held my own. I was, I was a good player in the league as a freshman and, playing with these playing on the same team as guys that were going to high level D one schools and getting drafted and then playing against the same. And I was like, okay, I'm, I'm 14 years old, able to do this, like 15 yeah. years old. I was like, all right. in three, four years, like I might actually, I might actually have a chance to do something here. If I can, if I can already hack it with these guys and, and, and hold my own, uh, you know, not dominating by any means, but definitely not getting embarrassed and looking like I didn't belong on the field. And I was like, okay, like I, this is going. It's going better. I thought it was going to go. Like, let's stick with it and, and and keep working hard. And then you just kind of follow the natural progression in high school and the showcases, and keep trying to get better. You keep maturing, and that was kind of the one time where I was like, I think I got a chance to do this. Like, I think I think I can hang here and and, and do it with these guys if they're already going to pro ball, and I'm four years younger than them. Like, I can be them in, in four years when I'm a senior in high school.
1: Love that. That I think that's so important. We talk all the time about putting your kids you know, talking to parents about putting their kids in challenging situations, right? You easily could have played on the ninth grade team and dominated, Mm -hmm. but instead you get put up with older kids. You test yourself. You have, you know, I'm sure you have ups and downs, but at the end of the year, you look back and you go, yeah, I held my own. And then next year as a sophomore, it gets a little easier and so on and so forth. That's something we talk about a lot here on the show is like, how do we find what that challenge is without overwhelming our kids? but also not making everything so easy so that the first time you face adversity is the first time you step on the mound as a 17 year old. Cause the rest mm-hmm. of your life, you're always the best kid on the team. You always played against teams that were inferior to you. So it's, I think that's important for people to hear that path. Talk to me a little bit about your family, you know, throughout the courses, I know you had two brothers, your parents, like where, what was your family's approach to sports at a young age? You know, I, I grew up, my dad was a high school football coach. As our listeners know, He pushed us. He was hard on us. He demanded a lot of us, but he never had to beg us to go. Like me, I had, I also had two brothers. We were all boys. We all played division one football. Like it was just what we did, Mm -hmm. but no one ever had to beg us. Like what was your parents role in your ascension to being, you know, the player that you became getting drafted out of high school? Were they begging you to go? Were you the one saying, Hey mom, dad, brothers, Hey, let's go out and play. Let's go practice. You know, what was that dynamic like
0: Uh, fairly similar to what you're describing? Um, you know they were we were never forced to play or pushed in a direction like it was always very supportive of what we wanted to do and we just like love loved sports growing up we always wanted to play like that's what our friends did like it's just what it's just what we did you know a lot of my friends growing up that I was friends with in school were in sports we would play sports together outside of school, so that's where you'd hang out and see your friends all the time, so we always wanted to do it, and it was never pushed on us to like, you have to do this. You have to do this. We're going here. And it's like, no, nah, I don't want to go here. You know, too bad. You're going. It was never, it was never something like that. And even when I got drafted in at a high school, they were, they uh, were basically like, look, we'll, we'll help advise you and, you know, give you some input on this decision, whether you want to go sign and play pro baseball, or you want to go to college, you know, at the end of the day, you're the one that has to live it. Right. So you're the one that's gonna make the decision. We're here for you if you wanna bounce some stuff off of us or look for some for some guidance. But um that was probably the biggest decision I made at, at that point in my life when I was 18. So do you want to go to college for the next three years or do you want to go in the minor leagues, ride the buses, do that whole, do that whole grind and try and make it to the big leagues. And um you know I obviously decided to sign, but they aren't you're going to be like, you have to go to college or you have to sign, like, this is what you're doing. It was all like, hey, this is it's your decision. You're the one that has to do it. So we're here for you if you need us. And um, you know, you're the one that's gonna make it.
1: So often in these conversations we've had with a couple dozen people, you know, whether they're athletes or parents or coaches, whoever they are across the spectrum, it, it always boils down to the successful people. It it comes down to it's it's kid led. The kid drives it. The kid's the one saying, "I want to go. I got to go practice. I got to go to game. You know, whatever it is, I want to try this showcase, this team, whatever." And then the parent support comes next. Anytime the parent is out in front, and it's the parent's idea to go practice, it's the parent's idea to put you into this camp or p- try you out for this team, and the kid's just along for the ride. That's the that's when disaster strikes. So it's just so funny yeah. and interviewing all these successful people like you. The underlying threads are all very similar.
0: Yeah. Well, you know how it is because, you know, if you really want to make it and really in anything, but definitely in, in high level sports, like if you want to make it to one of the four major sports leagues, like, you have to, as the, the individually, like you have to have it in you. Like you have to have that passion. You have to have that drive. Like nobody can do it for you because it's so hard and people are so talented and everybody want. there's so many people that want to do it. That if you don't, like you're going to, you're going to wash out or someone's going to pass you over if you really don't have that, like, internal drive inside of you like, it's just it's not going to work out no matter how bad somebody else wants it for you if you don't want it that bad for yourself then it's just it's just never really going to work out in my opinion
1: no you're uh you're dead on i i couldn't agree more with that it's something that i try to instill in my three kids now as they're kind of entering these things and you know they want to go to these tryouts and they want to go try out for this team or they want to go to and they hold all these as you know these all these like showcase events you can do something every weekend if you wanted to right and my thing is, listen, if we're going to, if we're going to make this sacrifice and it, we're going to drive to East Cobb down in Georgia for seven oh, yeah. days, and then we're going to go yeah. to Florida. We went to East Cobb for a week. We went to Houston for a week. Mm-hmm. We went to Florida for a week. This is 10 u baseball. Right. My rule to the kid is if at any point your attitude sucks, your body language sucks, we've got to drag you to practice. You're not being, we're done. Like we're not making this sacrifice as a family to fly around the country to watch you play baseball and give half-ass effort. Like I have no patience for it. You strike out, fine. You drop a fly ball, fine. You throw your helmet, you don't listen to your coach, you turn away when he's talking to you, I will rip your ass out of the dugout. I have no patience yeah. for it. Like that's, our, that's yeah. to me, it's, it's not a outcome thing. It's a, are you doing everything the right way? Are you a good teammate? Are you a good listener? Are you trying? You're gonna screw up. You're 10 years old. Mm-hmm. yeah, you're going to strike out. Are you going to bang your bat and throw your helmet? Or are you going to get in the dugout and cheer on the next guy and go out and take your position in the field and be a good leader? Like, to me, that's what all this shit's about.
0: Yeah, I I couldn't agree more. And I feel like you have to learn those lessons sometimes, too. Like, you have to do it the no wrong doubt. way and get corrected. Yeah. You know, I was the one getting my ass ripped out of the bag out a time or two when I was probably that age, too, just because <laughs> you don't know how to handle it as a, as a kid, for sure also i would say to that too is like just because you know if there's any kids out there just because you don't make like whatever team it is like, like i got you earlier, really, i never made a perfect game all american team i never made an under armor all american team i played part-time at area codes i got cut from team usa like i didn't do any of that stuff wasn't told you're not good enough you know like cool you're a good player but not good enough to do this ended up being a first-round draft pick and um, that's my 10th season in the major leagues you know so just because you don't make those teams as a kid like doesn't mean that you're not going to make it or you're not going to be good enough like maybe it just like wasn't your day or you didn't play well when you needed to or you just they thought somebody was better and it ended up not being the case like like i we were talking about is like i was never the best showcase player like i never ran the fastest 60 i don't have the best arm at the showcase. I never hit the farthest home runs in batting practice, but when the game started, I could always play. Like I could always, I was always getting hits. I was always being a good baseball player, but not one of my tools necessarily would stand out and wow you, um, in a showcase setting to where you're, you know, it it would stop everybody and be like, Oh, wow. Like let's pay attention to this. And you know, so there's some guys there that, you know, they'll throw a hundred. I remember guys throwing 103 from the outfield in high school or guys hitting like hitting, you know, 450 foot homers in batting practice or, um, you know, running six one sixties. And that was just never me. Like I, I could do all those things. You know, I could, I could take a good batting practice. I could run a pretty decent 60. You know, my arm's never been great. Uh you know, still isn't probably, but once the game started, it could always play. And that ended up being the only thing that really mattered in the end. It was, can you play the game? Can you perform when it matters? Um, you know, not necessarily in a, in a showcase. And that kind of carried me into a pretty good major league career, but you know, I remember it's a shitty feeling when you get cut from stuff like that. And you, you know, you feel like, Oh man, I I probably could have, played on that team or I, I feel like I'm good enough to do it, but for whatever reason, these people don't and that's all right. You know, you, you can't let it discourage you and you just got to keep working and, and see how it turns out.
1: Yeah, well, let, let's stay there. Right. Cause, cause it's mm-hmm. easy to say, yeah, you know, don't worry about it. But at the time, right, you look back and, and I'm sure you'd feel the same way. And I can think back to games I lost and teams I didn't make or whatever. And at the moment, it felt like the end of the world. So baseball, mm-hmm. I've again, just living it through my kids now. And I never played obviously at any significant level. But just being around it now, it is a sport that can crush you mentally. Oh yeah. you know, I see it with young kids, let alone what you guys deal with on a day-to-day basis. I, I said you at the start of the show when you jumped on, like I don't know how you guys do it. Like if mm-hmm. I caught every, one out of every three passes they threw me, I'd jump off a bridge, right? right? And, and I'd be cut. Like, so like for you guys to be able to day in and day out, handle that mental grind, I want to talk a little bit more about that because I think, yes, it's relevant to baseball, but I just think it's relevant to all sports, right? Success and Mm -hmm. failure. It's not a matter of whether you're going to have a down, a bad game or have failure. It's just a matter of when it's going to happen. So specifically in baseball, but just overall, and and just through your entire life through sports, like what has been your approach to dealing with adversity? What's been your approach to not making a team or having a batting slump or whatever, an injury, whatever it is, Mm -hmm. like that's real. There's not a player that doesn't go through that. And I think that's a really important um, perspective for you to give to our listeners as parents, as coaches, and then any young kids listening I, that, I think they can learn a lot from.
0: Yeah. I mean, the cliche in baseball is it's a game of failure. And that is the, as the truest thing of all time, because, you know, you get your ass handed to you all the time playing baseball, no matter what, no matter what level it is, no matter how good you are, the best players in the world, they're going to suck a lot during a, during a major league season or any kind of season. And, um, you know my biggest advice to younger kids or anybody that plays any release really, any sport but baseball specifically is is learn how to deal with failure because it's coming like it's not gonna not happen it might not happen to you in high school might not happen to you in the minor leagues might not happen to you in college, but eventually it's gonna happen. everybody's gonna fail in this game, and the way you deal with it is kind of going to determine like how long you're able to to last and it's almost this thing of. You, you kind of feel insane doing it because you just got to convince yourself all the time. like It's ha- It's clicking next time. Like you could have the worst night. Like I'll have a terrible night and in, in a, I'll have a terrible game or whatever and feel terrible to play. Like I'm lost. Like I feel like I should be hitting right-handed, you know, and I, I hit left. So like I'm up there, like <laughs> I've got zero chance and you go home that night and you're like, damn, that sucked. like, I don't know what I'm going to do. And By the time you go back to the stadium the next day, like you've convinced yourself that like you found it. I've got like I got it. Like today's So how do you do
1: that? So tell me how that happens. I I I wanna I wanna know like what is that approach? Like, do you meditate? Do you watch old home runs? Do you go to the cage early? Like what what do you do to change that mindset for that next plate appearance?
0: Yeah, I mean a combo of both. I mean, watching watching when you had success is is pretty it's underrated. I think, like, I think, you know, watching, watching yourself be successful or just looking at things that, that went well for you in a a game of failure, it goes a long way. Because every time I've ever done that, I walk away from it. No matter how bad I feel like I'm like, okay, cool. Like we're back on track. I got it. I just got to do this. Then you might go take your first swing in the cage and you're like, oh shit, maybe not. But <laughs> up until that point, up until that point, you know, you're like, you're back on it. Or at least it gives you, for me, it gives myself reinforcement to what I want to do or what I'm trying to accomplish. Or at least you have those images of success in your head when you're coming back to go do your job that day, or you yeah. come up with a plan. You're like, okay, like, I just need to do this. Like, maybe, maybe I was, I was late or maybe for me, I think a lot of things, like when things don't go well for you hitting, hitting wise, and people like want to point to mechanics and stuff, a lot of your mechanics break down when you're just not on time in baseball, like you're just late and you don't think you don't think you are like being on time in baseball, you're earlier than you think is on time. And you kind of, you kind of get back in this habit of like, all right, well, like I'm, I'm ripping off the ball or like I'm rolling over, but it's like, why? a lot of the times it's, it's a timing issue for a lot of people because your mind knows that you need to get this bat, you know, and make contact with this ball at a certain point. But if you're not on time, a lot of things are going to like mechanically break down because you know, you need to get this bat in the way of this ball that's traveling. That's interesting. 95, yeah. 96 miles an hour. So you're going to break down mechanically, but really there's nothing wrong with you mechanically as a, so you're as late as shit. So there's, you had no other choice, but to do this, you know?
1: I'm like going yeah. through every batting cage session that I've had with any of my kids, like right. as, as, as recently as this morning
2: mm-hmm. and I'm
1: sitting at, at, I, and I'm like having flashbacks and I'm like trying to read uh, This is super helpful. Please continue. Right.
0: Because <laughs> it's like, it's if you, it, yeah, if you think about it, like there's guys hit from so many ways, right? There's not like one stance or one swing in baseball that works. It's just whether or not you have enough time to do it. You know, guys start with their hands over their head or, leg kicks or no stride or toe tap. And you can do all that as long as you have time. And basically what a pitcher is trying to do is to get you off time, whether that, you know, by pitches, by late kick, whether it's fastball, curveball, like the whole, the whole game of baseball is basically a time thing. And you know, that's so always weird. what, that's always what I'll check first. It's like, all right, am I on time? And if it's like, no, then it's like, all right, well, then a lot of your problems are probably because you're not on time. And then if you are on time, then you can kind of go from there and go down the line and each hitter is different specifically, I think, um, with what they do wrong. But I think your problems as a kid are your problems forever. So what you do, like when you're not doing well in baseball, it's going to, it's, it's your thing for your, for life, like your bad habits are your bad habits and you kind of learn to manage them and and, and solve them quicker, the, the farther you go in the game. And that's what the minor leagues and, and all that's for is to, to learn how to deal with failure and then be, get back on track as quick as possible and learn yourself as a player. And then you can have those quick fixes because, you know, to be really successful in the big leagues, I think you can make adjustments very quickly, like pitch to pitch, rather than not, not a bat to a bat or game to game. I think that that separates major league, minor league, college, amateur is how fast you can make adjustments and you know yourself. And if you can't make adjustments in the league, then you're gone basically because you get figured out. There's a lot of guys that have a really good month, a really good two months, maybe a really good year. And then there's so much information. There's so much scouting that they're going to adjust to you. And then it's whether or not you can adjust back and keep that, you know, that game going basically. And then it never ends basically until your career's over.
1: I, I think that's so, pr- I mean, yes, it's, it's relevant to baseball and it's relevant for anybody out there who has a kid or son or daughter who plays baseball or softball, but, or sports, but I just think it's a great, it's a great approach to life in general. How fast can yeah. you adjust? Right? Yeah. We all have plans, we all have visions, we all know where our life is going, and nine times out of ten, that's not where it goes. Can you adjust? Can you? I, mm-hmm. I think that's such a valuable lesson and, and something it, it brings up a good segue here to to the next thing I want to talk to you about before I let you go. I want to talk about the approaches of the coach. So, so obviously, you've been around a lot of coaches from the time you were mm-hmm. a little kid, now all the way through the big leagues. When you're in one of these moments when you're in your own head and you're trying to sort out a swing or sort out something in the game or whatnot, like what have you found as far as the best coaching practices, the guys you've been around that have helped you either sustain success, right? Which is everyone's ultimate goal. And you've had a ton of it, right? MVP, mm-hmm. all stars, name it. But then also the coach also has to be able to be there and know when it's time to, to kick you in the ass and say, Hey man, we got to work through this. Stop feeling sorry for yourself, but also no one to put his arm around you and say, Hey man take a deep breath. Like we got to relax. Like what is the, what approaches have you been exposed to that you felt worked the best for you?
0: Yeah. I mean, my favorite kind of coach or coaching is like the guy that's willing to grind it out with you. Like, Hey, you want to like, you want to sit here and work on this for two hours or you want to watch this for an hour? Like, cool. I'm in like, I, I love those guys because it feels like you have someone in the fight with you. Someone's in there with you. And, so, that, that's so that's so important yeah that's always what's mattered to me is like does this that does this guy want want to be in 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 the fight in the battle they want to put in the work just as bad as I do or not like that's kind of how I've kind of had a, a relationship a good relationship with coaches are the ones that that you feel like really care or really want the best for you and I've had a lot of success in this game but I've also had a lot of failure in this game too you know and you're're're you're, 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 you're Constantly going through it and battling it. I've, I've had really good years. I've had really bad years. You know, I've had years where you're injured or, or whatnot. Like my last two seasons haven't been probably what I've wanted or I haven't done as well as I know I'm capable or what I like, but you just got to keep going through it and keep finding and keep working because I kind of feel like when you don't work and you you throw in the towel, like, you know, you know what you're going to get. It's not going to be a good result, but as long as you keep working, like there's always a chance that it gets better, always a chance that it it can improve. And you have to build on the the little victories and try and stack them together and, and have somebody in there that kind of reminds you of that. And sometimes it's a hitting coach. Sometimes it's a coach that that pushes you. Or sometimes, like you said, it's a, it's a guy that like, keeps it real. Or you can just like talk to about certain feelings or like whatever it may be. Maybe it has nothing to do with the sport, but you're just, you're just in this grind with these guys for, for months, right? Like you spend more time with your, your teammates during a season than you do with your own family or anybody else. Like whoever's in that life with you is the, is are the people that you're around for the majority of the year. That's just kind of the life we chose and what comes along with it. So, um. You lean on coaches, you lean on teammates, like people that, that really get it and understand like what the, what the grind's all about and, and how hard this shit can be sometimes.
1: No shit. I, it's yeah. so funny you say that after my worst games, you only, you wanted to be around your teammates and you wanted to be around like your guys, your team, your, your, the other players, the coaches, because I felt like when you were around, if you were around other people, like friends that don't play, like people in your neighborhood mm-hmm. and the, Nobody gets it, right? Like, oh, he mm-hmm. dropped three balls. He, he had a bet. But, like, when you're around your guys, and these are other guys that understand the grind, they understand the fight, mm-hmm. they understand the adversity, like, those are the people that you don't feel are passing judgment because guess what? Next game, one yeah, of those guys bad. is going <laughs> to be shit, right? So I always I was used to have, like, a. it was almost like a um, like a karma type thing. I never shit on anybody else. Mm-hmm. You could have dropped 15 balls in a game and after the game, there's you no, know, come on, man. You're killed. Cause guess what? The first time you jump somebody else for playing like shit, you're going to be the dog the next game. Oh, yeah. And you're like, I believe that wholeheartedly. Like if you're yeah. going to give it, it's going to be you. So I, I think that's so important, but like, what is that interaction? So just dive a little deeper for me. Like that coach who's grinding with you, right? He's holding you accountable. He's he say, Hey, I'll sit here and throw balls to you until you figure it out is there feedback? Is there just, is he just picking maybe one thing, you know, just one coaching point that he's saying, Hey, let's just get our mind on one thing. Let's not try to fix five things at once. Or is it just, I'm going to hear, I'm going to be here to toss the ball. I'm going to be here to do soft toss. I'll put it on the T, whatever it is. And you sort through it. Like what is the interaction that you prefer as you're kind of sorting things out?
0: You know, for me, it's like coming up with a plan together. Like we'll sit down and watch video or something and like, all right, this is it. Or this is what we're trying to accomplish. Or this is what I want to do. And then you feel like the two of you are kind of in it together where it's like, all right, sweet. Like this is, we've identified like what we want to do. Now let's go figure out how to do it basically. And then you have someone that holds you accountable or that is in the fight with you or can kind of check you because you might think you're doing something, but you might not be. And you need someone to be like, all right, like no, that's not it. We're not going to do that. We're going to do this. Like this is what we talked about. And they're there for you. And you know, that I feel like you make it through a season like that, or you have a teammate that you can can bounce stuff off because like you were saying, like after games, like your teammates might know what happened. Like it might look a certain way to the 40, 50,000 people of that are in course. the stands, but it's... it actually is like completely opposite. Like something, no really, doubt. something really messed up happened that, Led to this, and only the people that like play the game understand like what happened, or it might look like a really bad play or error or something to someone who's just sitting in the stands watching. Of course, but anybody that played knows, like, man, like that was just really shitty luck. Man. That was <laughs> like, a shit that ball yeah. took a bad bounce, whatever wrong. You were just in the wrong yeah. place at the wrong time, and it just happened to be it just it happened, happened to be, be you today. But yeah, if anybody exactly. else was in that situation, it would have been, well, that. of course. You're just oh, of course. You know, you're just the poor guy that's gonna have to gonna have to wear yeah. it, you know. And they understand that, but really nobody nobody else might, right? Or of course they know what it's like to to put in work and see no results. Like just because you work hard doesn't mean that anything good is gonna happen. You know, you can put in all the work, but that doesn't guarantee your results at all. It just guarantees. But you if you, have you a don't chance. put it,
1: but if you don't put in the work, I can guarantee you you'll suck.
0: Right. That's that's, at some that's point. the one guarantee. That's the one guarantee. Like, If you don't work on it or you're sucking and you don't want to try and figure it out, like, you know what's going to happen next because it's not no going to go well for you. But no doubt. if you put in the work, at least there's the chance, but it doesn't guarantee results. And I think those might be the f- most frustrating times is when you put in a lot of, of the work and you see absolutely nothing. You're like, <laughs> great. Like we got All right. absolutely well, nowhere. Let's,
1: let's change gears here before I let you go because I know you, obviously you guys are on a crazy schedule. So again, thank you for... This insight and perspective is just so cool. I'm fascinated by it. I'll make a quick segue fast and then I'll get to my last point. What I've enjoyed about baseball, just learning it again, I played up until high school, stopped playing and did not play in high school. So I played as a kid, you know, casually. I've gotten into learning baseball, just being around my kids and coaching their rec teams and you know, now watching them play travel and, you know, Mm -hmm. whatever. I've gotten such an appreciation for the sport just from living and dying with every at bat and living and dying with your kid on the mound. And he's got runners on second and third Mm -hmm. and you're like, Holy shit. Like, right. Like I've just, I've gained such a, such a unique perspective of the game. And we've talked a lot about the failures that come with the game, but we're also talking here with a guy who has been MVP first round draft pick. I mean, you've had a lot of successes at the same time. So Mm -hmm. you talk about putting in the work and it's hard when you don't have the success, but you've, now you're putting in all the work consistently and you when you're having that success, right? And you're on an MVP run, you're on an all-star level, you're batting 340. You know, when you're in one of those runs, let's talk about that mindset. You know, it, It's easy to work hard when you're struggling, right? It, mm-hmm. If I had a bad game and dropped a couple passes, you'd bet your ass 20 minutes before practice started, I'd be on the field and having somebody throw me balls. But if I caught 10 passes, would I still be out there in pre-practice? catching the same catching routine. So talk to me a little mm-hmm. bit about when you're feeling it, you're rolling, you're having a great run, a great stretch of games. How do you contain, how do you continue that same approach? Because success to me is the greatest enemy of a mm-hmm. player, right? Cause it, you, you lose the grind. It's easy to work hard when you suck. Talk, talk to me a little bit about when you're having success, what sort of approach you continue with.
0: Yeah. I, I never wanted to get, complacent especially in baseball because i feel like it can you can go from like feeling locked in to like i'm never getting out again to the next day like picking up a bat and being like oh god like what just happened <laughs> or you, you know it's and so- nothing happened like it's just a new day and you get in the cage and you're like oh my god what happened <laughs> it's so crazy. crazy and i think i think that happens because like when you're doing your routine or you're doing like batting practice and you're in your and you're, and you're going well, like you start, you start at like point a, right. And you, maybe you're just like getting loose that day. And you're just like, all right, you're not doing what you usually do, but you're just kind of getting loose. Maybe your body doesn't feel as good. So it takes you a little bit, a little bit longer. And that was fine that day. You got away with it. You're still playing good. And then that happens the next day. You're kind of getting loose and then the next day and the next day. And you wake up one day and you start at point a, and then you're all the way over here. And it took a week, but it was little by little. So you didn't really, notice that anything was changing. Like you got a little lazy or you got a little complacent or like you just weren't feeling as good that day. And you started here and ended up here and it was a week's time and you didn't really know what happened. So for me, I always wanted to, when I was going really well, I would want to be really focused and not let that happen. And I would take less reps or less, whatever, but be way more focused and diligent. Like you I would know what I wanted to do or what I wanted to feel. And I would just make myself do it. Like, maybe you're not going to take as much today because you don't feel as good for whatever reason. Like maybe we were playing 18 games in a row and it's been four city trip and like, your body's just spent because you've played every day, but really lock in and focus on like what you want to do and, and, and just be relentless in that because it can go so fast in, in in baseball to where you can feel really good and feel really bad all at the same time. And I just wanted to like ride those, those streaks out for as long as possible. And I had a good understanding of what I wanted to do and what I was feeling at the time and how my body was working, just made myself walk into that and, and really be focused on it. And, um, you know, once you get an understanding of like something small, that allows you to be like really successful, something small and very repeatable. I think for hitting like there's repeatable this key, seems like a right? big
1: baseball. That's like a big baseball component, right? Like mm-hmm. being able to repeat something over and over and over again is the entire game.
0: Yeah. It's consistency is basically the whole game. Like yeah. the people that are the most consistent at like getting their body in a good position to hit, like being on time, consistent, being in a good position more times than not, you're going to give yourself more chances to be successful, whether it happens or not, who knows, but, if you're in a consistent spot enough times, like you're going to have success in the long run, like maybe just baseball, you can do everything right and go over four, you know, you could line out four times yeah. and it's considered a bad day or you're, you can blow up four bats and you got four hits and everyone thinks it's a great day, you know, but you've got a pile of firewood in the locker room <laughs> afterwards. You know, So it's just one of those sports where it's nothing so makes sense true. sometimes. And it's it, it can so be true. like, yeah, it could be just like mental, it's mental warfare all the time in baseball and, Um, you know, I think just consistent and like when I was going really good and, and having MVP and stuff like that, it was, it was little small keys that I could repeat all the time and just like clicked. And I I stumbled upon him one day and just stuck after it and just really stayed with it and believed in it. And, you know, it clicked, it changed my, changed my career, changed my life and just did it. You know, I just had a feeling one day in the cage, like I want to try this and see what happens, and it kind of clicked for me. And then I stuck with it, and was able to repeat it all the time, and just got red hot, and was able to ride that out for a while.
1: I I just, I'm fascinated by just all this. My my mentality, even like coaching the kids' teams in baseball, sometimes I step back and I'm like. My, my way of, if I had a bad game, that next practice, Wednesday practice, it was going to be like, it was going to be full throttle, right? Mm -hmm. Like my point was going to be, I'm flushing that game. Now, granted, I had seven days before I had to play again. You have like two hours, (laughs) But, but you know, like I could come like, will myself back with how hard I practiced and how hard I trained and run and catch extra balls. And you almost like could will yourself through a bad game and flush it and move on. What I find watching the kids is like watching my own kids, the more they, the more they grind on it, the more they stress on it, the more that it goes the other way. Mm-hmm. It gets, it almost gets wor- like more becomes less. And it, it's just so counterintuitive to how I've always approached football, but it's also opened my eyes and given me a greater appreciation for just how hard it is to do what you guys do. Because that mental grind, I'm not sure if I could do it. I, I yeah. really, I really don't think I'm mentally, my my mindset would be good dealing with that up and down day in and day out. I I, I applaud you guys. I I can't. I don't know how you do it. I really don't.
0: Yeah, it's you just get used to it. Honestly, like yeah, it is. It's a mental grind. And like before the season, like when the season ends, you always look back on it, at least for me and be like how did you, how do we make it through that? It's you know so what I mean? True. It's or so when true. You, or when you're staring it down in spring training, like you come to spring training and you just like, you know what's ahead of you because you've done it for so how long. Am, how am I going to do this? Yeah, guys today like, reported oh, for
1: training camp. Got, yeah. The NFL reported for training camp today. So I'm watching like Instagram guys walk out to practice and whatnot. And I'm thinking to myself, like, how the hell did I do that 14 times?
0: Yeah. Like that's really, horrible. Yeah. And but, the reality of it is you do it day by day, right? Like you just would, can't. You just got to be in the present. Yeah. You got to be in the present and like, it's coming at you, whether, whether you want it to or not, like you just, you're in it. So you just gotta, you gotta look at it in really, really small, small bites. And I I tell guys or younger guys, if they ask, like, it takes a really, it takes a really long time to have a good season. It takes a really long time to have a bad season too. Like it doesn't happen in a week. It doesn't happen in a day. Like you, you can't have a good season in a week or a month. You can't have a bad season in a week or a month. Like it's whatever happens in baseball always takes a really long time. Like the games take a long time. The games take a long time. To have a good or bad season takes a long time. So you kind of just have to be in the moment and just put your head down and grind. And you know, some years are gonna be really good for you, some years are gonna be tough for years where just shit doesn't go your way. And that's how it is. But if you go underwater, you just put everything you have into it and you grind, it's going to work out for you more times than not, because it takes a really long time. So you just got to embrace it and be like, I'm in it.
1: That's such a great point. That's, that's a really, I think there's one way to kind of sum up this entire conversation. I think that's a really good perspective to keep in mind. I think that's for young guys to get that advice from you, I think is super valuable. Well, as we close up here, I'd be remiss As, as we were doing research and kind of learning a little bit more about you. And I knew we'd have a million things to talk mm-hmm. about. We could go on for four hours if we wanted to, but I'm going to let you go here. I, I read, it was really cool. I, I saw that you uh, in Milwaukee, obviously playing with the brewers um, mm-hmm. with one of your corporate partners, you guys refurbished some of the little league fields. And yeah. so how invo- are you super involved with some of the little league and some of the youth baseball back home? Or was it like, how, how involved are you back there in Milwaukee or back home in California that do you spend a lot of time with young kids at camps and through little league and whatnot?
0: Uh, yeah, I'll try to. Um, so American family, yeah. One of the, one of the people that, or one of the the, the uh, companies I work with or they, are the, they yeah. have the naming rights for our stadium as well. They, they try and uh, refurbish a, a little league field every, every year, you know, just renovated or, or give them whatever they need. And I think it's pretty cool, you know, just giving back to, to kids that are are playing the game, learning the game, because, you know, not only does it give you really good opportunity later in life, but you make a lot of good friends. You learn a lot of things through sport and through competition, the ups and downs, Learn like you said, like we talked about, you know, this whole time is like, learning how to deal with failure, learning what it's like to be a good teammate or to have people count on you or depend on you. And just to have a good place to go and, and do that, I think is is really important. And it's really special that um, American family is willing to do that and invest their, their time and money in the community and allow me to be a part of it as well. And, just to, to give back to, you know, communities that support you or where, you know, for me, when I go home or that allowed me to to become what I am and have this life and make these friends. And just maybe, maybe there's a kid at that little league that's going to grow up and, and end up having a great career and comes back and, and, and gives back as well. And, um, returns the favor. So whenever you have a chance to to do good, I think it's important. And we've been blessed with a, a platform, the ability to do so. And, um, yeah, you know, I think you should, whenever you have the opportunity.
1: Well, I, I told you at the start of the show that you're our first, you're our first big leaguer that we've had on. We talk a lot about baseball, but it's usually 10 and 11 year old baseball. It's not major league baseball. Um, but for our, for our first baseball guest, I don't know if we could have had on a guy with a better perspective, a better message, a better understanding of just not only how challenging sports are both at the youth level, but also just at any level but also how rewarding they are. And I think that's kind of the mantra we try to capture here on you think is yeah, sports can be hard. It can be frustrating. It can be a grind on the whole family, but I'll tell you what, when it's good, there's nothing better. And I think that's, that was the big message that I got out of just hearing, you know, your stories and your perspective. So I think on behalf of our viewers and our listeners and everybody, I think for you to take time at the middle of a season, middle of a grind uh, to come share your perspective, your stories, your your kind of life with, with us here on you think, man, we're just so thankful and appreciative and just wish
0: you nothing but the best of luck going forward, not only this year, but the rest of your career. Yeah, of course. And thanks for having me. And yeah, that's a good message. You know, I think, I think when you have success, it's really important to enjoy it too. You know, I think a lot of times I was like head down grinding, like, don't let it, don't let it get to your head. But especially in baseball, there's so much failure, the times you do good. You got to enjoy it. And in sport in general, it's really hard to do well in sports, you know, at whatever level. So when you, when you, when you do do well, like enjoy it, you know, you worked really hard for that and it doesn't always go well. You don't always have great games. So I think when you do like, you need to let yourself enjoy it because the next day could be a grind, you know, and kind of just live in the moment and be happy. Like, yeah, obviously don't let it get to your head and, you know, think I'm the man I got to figure it out. But when you do well, like, Hey, enjoy it. Like, all right. Like that that all that work was worth it or we're headed in the right direction. Um, you know, it kind of gets you through the grind. So I appreciate you having me, man. I really, I really enjoyed it. Um, you know, time flew by, like you said, I wish we had a little bit longer so we could, I know. We, we could keep going forever, but I got you know, a lot, maybe, but we'll, maybe we'll, maybe we'll run it back one of these days. Yeah. Or, um, get you can become a recurring,
1: you can be, a, you can become our, our, our MLB, um, recurring guest and you can yeah, for sure. just keep us bring up the to boys out to
0: bring the boys out to a game or something. If we, if we cross paths and, uh, I'd love to. My, that way.
1: I'd love to. My boys would would die to come out. They, like I said, yeah. they've gotten big into baseball. We watch it on TV. We, we learn. We study it. I find myself laying in bed at night. You can. I'll tell you what. You can learn a lot about baseball on Instagram now. Oh yeah. I thought, man, the amount of drills that I've stolen from guys, and oh my god, yeah. I, you can learn a lot about shit on Instagram these yeah. days. I don't know if these guys know yeah. what they're talking about, but it looks good to a guy yeah, like some, me. Some, some,
0: some of them do. Some of them are full of shit. I have no idea what they're talking. Most about. Most of them but. are full. Most of them are full of shit. Yeah, but there's Fight some it. there's some good ones out there for sure that actually actually know what they're doing. But yeah, yeah man, we'll get we'll get connected, bring the boys out and um whenever you got free. I know, I know you got a busy schedule, so do we. So whenever we whenever we cross paths, man, that'd be awesome. That'd be great, man. Well, hey, best of luck. I appreciate it. Good luck uh
1: the rest of this season and beyond and look forward to crossing paths here soon.
0: Yeah, appreciate it. We'll talk appreciate
1: soon. Appreciate you, buddy. See you, man. I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation with two thousand eighteen. NL MVP, Christian Yelich, uh, just his journey through youth sports, you know, not only travel baseball, not only that youth showcase circuit as a high school player, but just as a kid playing multiple sports and kind of just getting an insight into his, into his journey and kind of what allowed him to be a you know high school kid being drafted first overall. And obviously now going on to have an MVP all-star caliber career, which kind of speaks for itself. So I think it was just such a timely and such a relevant conversation with a current with a current superstar type player who went through this showcase travel youth sports world not too long ago. And to be able to just compare and contrast how different it is today from when he went through it, I think was, was a really timely and a really interesting conversation. So I hope you guys enjoyed that. Um, And I know I did and learned a lot from it. My kids were stoked that he was coming on. That's like the one episode they were fired up for. Um, They're not a big fan, apparently of dad. It's more who dad talks to Um, at this time. As always, I will bring in Tasha, our producer. Tasha, what's happening? And uh, uh, hey. I'm sure you have lots of good questions from our from our followers and people that continue to submit. And again, we thank you guys so much. Continue to submit, continue to send yep. in your questions because Tasha loves being on the show. So any excuse <laughs> she has to get like, some camera time, she's in.
2: I'm like, please give me something to ask Greg too, please. I just um, want to be
1: on the show so bad.
2: Yeah. In, in relation to baseball, one of our first audience questions says that a coach in Long Island allowed his 10-year-old pitcher to pitch 159 pitches in one game after pitching 49 pitches the day before to ensure the win. So they wanted to know your take on that.
1: It's almost hard for me to believe. You know, I would almost want to, like, fact check that. Hopefully, whatever. I, hopefully, this is a true story. Hopefully, this is somebody that's actually sending in something that happened because that just sounds so I almost don't know how that's possible. You know, and I've yet to be in a tournament, especially at that age, let alone any age where there wasn't pitch count limits, you know, and oftentimes it's uh 75 pitches in a day and only can throw maybe a hundred pitches for the entire weekend tournament based on, you know, three day tournament, whatever it is. So the fact that he would go 49 and then one fifty-nine, be at 200, it, it just seems, it seems unrealistic. So that first and foremost, I, I have a little skepticism of whether that's actually true or not.
2: Maybe it's Long
1: Island, you know, Long Island, strong Island. Those guys, they don't, apparently they have rubber arms, but (laughs) if let's just assume that it is true, that coach should no longer be allowed to coach. Like that's beyond just reckless. That's beyond, I mean, that's, that's abusive, right? I mean, we all get caught up in wanting to win. We all probably get, but 149 pitches in a day, forget that he pitched the day before just that one day someone needed to step in an assistant coach, a parent and say, Hey, listen, this has gone too far. Like who cares about winning and losing this 10 year old baseball game? You're, you're killing this kid. So I, I, that's alarming to me if that's really going on up there, somebody in that organization, somebody in that area needs to get a grip and play some guardrails for these coaches. If the coaches can't do it themselves, then someone's going to have to do it for them, which is pathetic. But, um, yeah, that there there's a lot to unpack there and that's very concerning, very alarming and it's just outright dangerous. It's just not fair to the kid. It's not fair to any of the other kids. Um there there's no place for that sort of overuse, especially for a kid, you know, who's so young. He's 10 years old. So they they need to take a good hard look at what they're doing up in Long Island cuz that's uh that's pretty concerning.
2: Yeah, that's wild. The second question from you guys says, how much time are you putting into coaching Greg for tackle football each week? Are you watching film? Are you drafting up plays, prepping drills with your dad? They want to know the prep time that goes into it.
1: I am almost embarrassed to say how much time I spend on it to be I'm being dead honest. Like you know we practice so starting August first, which was like quote unquote training camp, you know, we have call it three weeks before the kids go back to school, you know, end of August. So for those three weeks, we were going four days a week, a good three hours a night. So we were doing 12 hours a week, give or take 10, 12 per week for the first uh, three weeks. So add that up. But then in between that, to the point of the question, Right, you don't just show up to practice and make it up. We have a practice plan. We have, you know, a text message thread where we say, "Alright, here's what we want to work on on defense. Here's what we're seeing. Here's what we need, you know, we need to work on our coverages, our fronts. The kids need to get better at th- they need to learn everything. We we approach this season like they knew nothing. And in most yeah. cases they didn't. Right? So we got to teach stance. We got to teach footwork. We've got to teach alignment. We've got to teach tackling. We've got to teach blocking. We've got to teach how to block. It's just it, there's it's never ending. So it's a it's a full commitment now. And this is my first time coaching this age of football. And uh, it makes you appreciate just how much there is involved, goes into football and how much of a foundation we owe these kids to allow them to make their middle school team and and beyond to high school or whatnot. So it's, it's a lot, you know, we, we film as much a practice as we can nowadays with the phones, I can stand right back there and record and I'll sit up at night and I'll, and I'll send a tape to you know Johnny's dad and say, Hey, this is what I'm talking about with Johnny. Can you show him this and tell him, you know, X, Y, or Z. So like we can share the videos with the parents and make, and they can then reinforce at home, maybe what we're going through. Sometimes it's easy for them to see it. You can tell them over and over, but, um, you know, there's a lot that goes into it. I'll tell you your script and plays your script and, you know, things that sound good in your head, but doesn't work for 10 year olds. It's, it's a, uh, it is an exhausting and a, it's almost like a full-time job. I'll tell you, but it'll calm down now to only like two or three nights a week. Now that school starts. But uh, for the last couple of weeks, it's been a grind.
2: Nice. Shout out to all you coaches out there grinding shout right
1: out grind, grind
2: mode. Um, the next one is kind of more of a feedback. Interesting. They said, Hey Greg, I actually played at Wayne Hills for your dad. Hey, yo, Uh-oh. say your name, Uh-oh. but you didn't, um, he didn't I just say his thought- name. He didn't say his name. No. Okay. Um, But he said, I also just got into coaching. And as part of our certification, um, we had to take the tip of the spear clinic. I thought it was awesome. The philosophy is great for youth football. He's, he wants to know if you think that's also a good option for your listeners to help improve their coaching.
1: Yeah. So to coach in the league that we're, that we're all coaching in, we had to go through a pretty extensive, like online training and I'll, and, and I'll be honest The first, you know, so yet you watch like a little like slideshow presentation on, you know, the beginning is like health and safety and fitting equipment. Like that stuff's pretty straightforward. That hasn't changed a lot over the years. And then at the end of each section, you take a test and you got to get 80% of the test questions right. You get 10 questions or whatever it is. And then you can pass to the next section and you just continue on. It's probably three, four hours of class. It's a it's a legitimate certification. But what was funny was it got to the part on teaching, tackling, teaching, blocking, teaching, taking on blocking. And it was taught like I've never seen before. It was not how I was taught. It was not how I had ever heard anyone be taught. It was taught in a very new age. Obviously we don't want kids hitting with their helmets. We don't want kids leading with their helmets, but it like takes it to the very extreme. So, you know, we're obligated to coach it as as such but I had to like really watch these demonstrations and understand the terminology and understand the technique. And then you go take these, these um, multiple choice questions. And the first couple of times I didn't pass it. Like this was Chinese to me. So Hmm. so I would go back and I'd rewatch the demonstration of these guys demonstrating, you know, what we call this tackle, what we call this blocking technique. And it was stuff I've never heard of. But um, it was, it was not easy. It was very, very different than what I had been around for 30 years. So it's a, it's a different age now of teaching and I get why they're doing it. Right. It's, it's all the safety and the heads up and keeping everything out, but it's very, very contrary to how I learned the game and how I've experienced the game for a long time. So it was a little bit of a learning curve for me to make sure when we went out onto the field, we coached the kids. The appropriate way, right safety and keeping their heads out of it and how to strike and how to tackle and how to use their shoulders and whatnot and not use their heads it was um it was a it was a learning curve for me as well, but I'm glad I did it so to answer the question, I think that certification stuff is great, I think even for people who've been around the game for a long time, the way we're coaching young kids to play the game now is just very different, and you if you don't if you don't learn it, you don't teach you you're gonna you're not gonna teach them in the right manner and that opens up a whole nother can of worms. So it it was a good education. It was a good refresher for all of us, but um, it it took some studying in order to pass it and get my certification. So it was, it was a real deal.
2: Good job, Greg. Way to pass that Uh, test.
1: Yeah. Maybe I'll share my certification on Instagram and just show off a little bit. I
2: think you should like, I mean, that's what counts the certification, not the professional athlete part. Yeah. You You still had to pass the test.
1: It's It's just, I'll tell you Tasha. It's, your dad would lose his mind.
2: I'm sure he lose his
1: mind. He'd lose his mind.
2: I think he's losing
1: the way (laughs) I'm sure he's losing his mind for other reasons at times, but (laughs) the way, the way we are teaching the kids, it's hard. It's hard to block people and tackle people the way they want you to do it. It just is. Hmm. And you know, the kids got to learn it. You know, we're, we're trying, you know, we're obviously their safety and and all that stuff is real and we're trying to do it the right way. But I'll tell you what, it makes it a lot harder to get somebody to the ground. <laughs> you can only use your arms. <laughs> what do you mean you don't
2: use your arms?
1: You know, like when I, was, when I was coming up, right? Like the heads up thing was always, even when I was a kid, was always thing. you never hit with the crown of your helmet. You never hit with right. the top of your head. But we were taught to hit with our face masks, right? Like we were taught to hmm. put our face mask in their chest drive, and then slide your head to the side and run through contact on strike. Now the head, understandably so, they're trying to remove from the strike. So they want you tackling everything off to the side where your head would be like to the backside of a runner. We were always talking, get your head across, get your head across, run through contact. Now everything's get your head behind. So all you really have is half your body, your shoulder, you know, the old arm tackle thing. They're pretty much teaching kids to rap with their arms and like alligator roll and like bring the kid down to the ground in that capacity. And, you know, I know a lot of the NFL guys are starting to transition to it and teach it that way. And that's fine. But for these, for these young kids, they just end up grabbing everybody with their hands and trying to pull them to the ground. And, you know, when that kid's a big kid, he's a big sixth grader, you're not getting him to the ground by just grabbing his Jersey. So it's, um, it's an adjustment for everybody, you know, trying Mm -hmm. to teach kids how to be safe, a, how to protect themselves. That's number one priority. But then they also signed up to play tackle football. Like you, at some point you got to go tackle somebody. So it's, um, it's, it's just very different. It's just a very different, uh, day and age of how we're teaching it. And those are the, that's what we signed up for. And we're going to teach them accordingly.
2: Nice. Well, hey, that's it for all of the audience questions today. Keep submitting them in. Greg loves answering them. We love reading them and sifting through them as well. And you can submit them at YouThink or Greg Olson on TikTok, Instagram, or Twitter.
1: I appreciate it. Thank you, Tasha. Thank you Mm -hmm. so much to all of our listeners and followers. Thank you guys for continuing to submit your questions, engage with us, and continue to interact. And again, continue to guide us on where you want to see YouThink go. You know, we've casted such a wide net. Um, I feel like we've had conversations in every single area of, of youth sports and, and, uh, and beyond. So it's, it's been a great journey. We have some fun episodes in store for you guys the next couple of weeks, continue to rate review, subscribe. Um, Thank you again to our sponsor body armor. And until next week, we look forward to having you guys back for another episode of you
2: think.